The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. Welcome to Scissoring Isn't a Thing, and I am always going to be Darren Karp unless something happens. Right, Liz? <laughs> I will. I hope nothing happens I and hope that not. changes. Yes, I'm Liz Cully, and I decided to not change my last name when I got married, and I never will. So I am also always going to be Liz Cully as well. <laughs> was that just, I want to actually jump into that because I never thought about that. But was that a huge conversation when you and Rachel were getting married? And no. Like, not at all? You were like, I'm not changing it? Yeah, she's like, I'm never changing my last name. And I was like, how could I be anything other than Liz Cully? Yeah, like, I don't <laughs> want to say- My sister didn't change her last name. My mom didn't change her last name and I'm 70. So that was like a different time. So for her not to change yeah, her last name. See? But then again, who would want the last name Carp? That's not like a great oh, last I like, name. I think you have a great last name. I love it. Really? I do. Thanks. I think you have a lovely name. I appreciate that. It, you know, you rearrange the letters, you get crap. So you can imagine- the shit crap talking I got as a kid, but now as an adult, maybe things will calm down. Well, Liz, what's going on? How are you? Update me on your life. You were I about mean, to tell me something interesting that happened at the dog park. And then oh, I was yeah. like, shut the fuck up. Tell me on the podcast. <laughs> and now we're on the podcast. So now you don't have to shut the fuck up. Please tell me. Well, as we all know, Los Angeles is a real Rona hotbed. So nobody's doing a whole lot of anything these days. But three of my friends just got came down with COVID, by the way, in the course of a oh, week. No. They Are all they okay? aren't related. Like they all weren't hanging out. They all got it at different times. But yeah, bad. It's bad news. Bears it's are bad. Right. The rumors are true. Ravs. I love you, Ravs. The rumors are true. It's not great here. We need everybody to stay at home. Yes, please, dear Lord. But I do have to leave the house occasionally. I don't even go to the grocery store anymore. But the one place I do go to calm my dog down, which is the West Hollywood Dog Park. And I overheard this group of like, I've seen them before. They're kind of cool gay guys. Mm -hmm. Like, you know. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I overheard them talking about TV. And I was like, what are they talking? And then I kind of kept going forward and moving around and going around the dogs and pretending like I was throwing a ball. And right. then I heard veneno. Oh. And we all know. So your <laughs> your ears stop. your ears perked up. Ravioli's ears perked up. She did. Well, no, she was just like, get me out of this place. It's not for me. But we talked about veneno. It was super fun. I love that that show is, even though it's small, it feels like it's mighty. Yeah. You still need to watch it with Nadine. So that was super fun. I don't know. That was my highlight. Well, it's kind of pathetic, just but. because, you know, I know we have to get to the queue, but I wanted to mention right at the top because this actually is gay news related, but I started mm. watching Pretend It's a City on Netflix, which is essentially the Fran Lebowitz yes. doc with Martin Scorsese, seven episodes, 30 minutes. Each episode kind of tackles a different thing. I mean, the good news is if you don't know who Fran Lebowitz is, like, you should, but essentially she's like a New York staple. I mean, icon. She, she's an icon, but she's a humorist. She's a, she's a social critic. You know, she's a writer, but she's a humorist. Like in my opinion, and I was watching it with Nadine, she's kind of like the female Larry David, but not yes. a comedy writer, but she's a female Larry David in, in the terms of like, she hates everything and everyone, but she's also a lesbian. And I am her like I like everything that she was saying about New York like just it, it, it is so perfectly me like she was just hitting the nail on the head in every single way of course she's much smarter and much more successful than me so I could never be her but literally this person is so snarky 
She flips cyclists off on the street. She's like, she just is great. And Liz, I mean, I really think it's like one of those things where it's like, could it be too esoteric? Because it's so New York where some people think like Seinfeld's a little too like Jewish New York for them to like really get it. But I'm telling you, you will appreciate her wit. You will appreciate her humor. She is fucking fantastic. It's it's in the queue. Yeah, it, 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 <laughs> get it? I, oh, don't. Let, let's get right into the queue because you've just embarrassed me too much. Let's do it. Hey guys, we want to welcome you to the queue where we share some highlights and happenings within the LGBTQ plus and ally community. And don't be shy, listeners. We want to hear from you too. If you've got the scoop or have someone you want us to shout out, feel free to shoot us a DM at SIAT Podcast on Instagram or Twitter. Well, we talked about it, I think, last episode, but if we haven't, I decided to rewatch all of the L word because yes. Yes. what is a better time than now? So definitely, you know, unfortunately, reliving every terrible Betty song. Sorry, Betty and all the Betty fans out there. It just doesn't. It, I appreciate it. However, it doesn't sonically resonate for me. But speaking of lesbian icons, lesbian icon musician, singer, songwriter, Tracy Chapman, which I don't know for you, but like when I was, I also wish I could have seen video of myself like singing like fast car at eight years old, not realizing what the hell I was singing. Just as an aside from that, because everyone obviously knows fast car, but she sings this really, I forget the title. um, I think it's like behind the walls or something, which is about domestic violence. And it's a really serious song. It's like last night I heard the screaming and oh, it, yeah, 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 yeah. You know yeah, what yeah. I'm talking about? I can't remember the exact title. And it's a really dark song. And like when I, you know, when you're a kid and you're like listening to music with your parents, you're like singing along to the lyrics, but you don't understand what the lyrics are. Like I could sure. say a Beatles song, but I've never like actually processed. And then like one day when I was all, I was singing it, it like got in my head and I was like, oh, this is about domestic violence. Like, this is not some, this is not an anthem. <laughs> I should not be bouncing off the walls of the song. Like, this is a really serious song. Anyway, that's my Tracy Chapman story. Of course I know her. Okay, well, love it. So Tracy Chapman is having a good week, let me tell you. She just was awarded $450,000 in a copyright lawsuit against Nicki Minaj, who used one of her songs in an uncleared sample that was supposed to be on Nicki Minaj's last record, but she never put it out, but then she leaked the song, okay? (sighs) So in 2018... Chapman first filed the lawsuit over uh, Nicki Minaj's song, which is called Sorry. And she sampled Tracy Chapman's Baby Can I Hold You, which is like one of the best. One of the best. And when Minaj couldn't clear the sample, she leaked the song through another New York icon, Funkmaster Flex, and put it on the radio waves. And then it got picked up and picked up and picked up and picked up. Nas is on the track. Then Nicki Minaj went, and now instead of reading you guys all an article, I can paraphrase, but effectively Nicki Minaj went on Twitter and was like, hey guys, I can't release my record yet because I'm trying to get a song cleared. Should I release it without the song? But I love the song. It has an iconic rapper on it, Nas. What should I do? Like Tracy Chapman, I keep trying to get a hold of you. Like, please get in touch with my team. But it's like Tracy Chapman said no multiple times since 2018 filed a lawsuit back then and then she released it anyway. And so, yeah. So it's like, what's the point of having this like discussion if one, Tracy Chapman has said no a million times and I'd be, can we get Tracy Chapman on this podcast? Yo, honestly, 
to the lesbian gods out there. Please, I don't like dude. Please. I also would die. I she would also die. speaking of L word, she dated Guinevere Turner, which to throw it back to our Buck Angel episode, Buck dated Guinevere. I was like, how do I know that name? And then I was like, wow. Okay. So this is just like full lesbian circle in every sort of way. But like <laughs> one, okay. Why have this discourse, Nicki Minaj with Tracy Chapman? If you're going to, I mean, I don't know the whole details of the story, but it almost is like, I'm going to get my army to bully you into giving me the song. So when people, when people know, know. that you said no, people are going to come for you because like Nicki's got her army. And I, granted, I love fucking Nicki Minaj, but also I think it's really interesting because for a certain generation of people, now Tracy Chapman is like relevant again. And like, like I know. for us and older, always been relevant. You could, you know, you can name a song and people would know. For anybody that's like under 28 years old, like they have absolutely no idea who this person is. And potentially now they do. her album sales might go up because of this. I mean, she was just awarded basically half a million dollars. So good on Tracy Chapman. Yeah, any anything positive Tracy Chapman feels like a good news day to me, which we could use these days. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, give me give me your reality. Well, mine isn't necessarily good news, but I think it's kind of important um, uh, a point to mention. So Pat Loud, uh, who is essentially the mother of reality TV, I don't know if you know who she is. It was a little bit before our time, but she died um, at 94 this past weekend. She was part of that PBS documentary, The American Family, uh, which premiered in oh. 1973 if you remember, which really was the first ever reality show where people, this family was filmed in their life in Santa Barbara, California. But the interesting thing about this, and obviously picture this, I mean, this is 1973. This is well before you and I are even born. She died at 94, again, had a really, had a, had a seeming like a good life. Good but run. A seemingly good run. Yeah. But American Family, I'm reading from New York Post because I want to make sure I get this right. American Family created by documentarian Craig Gilbert, Shine a light, a sometimes harsh spotlight on the upper middle class lives, school days, and infidelities of Loud, her husband Bill, and their five children in Santa Barbara, California. The then shocking series infamously featured the on camera separation and divorce of the Louds, as well as the coming out of their eldest son, Lance, who was considered the first openly gay person featured on US television. And I don't think a lot of people know that. Whoa, dear. Because I think yes. people think it's a real world, you know, Pedro. Like, I think that mm-hmm. was like, and maybe that's our generation. You know, obviously we weren't watching this in 1973, but in the 70s, the start of the AIDS epidemic, people were not coming out as easy. And this person is on camera, on TV coming out as gay. I mean, that is, that's monumental. Wait, where's Lance these days? You know, I don't know where Lance is. It doesn't say it's, it's interesting. If you ever remember, I'm an old SNL watcher. So I kind of want, I go back into the originals. And if you remember, there's this really funny sketch with Gilda Radner and they play the loud family and they're yeah. like all screaming at each other. And basically, you know, because they're the loud family. It, this was a parody off of this reality show, if you didn't know. So, you know, I they didn't know. They okay. got in a lot of trouble for like airing their grievances, you know, on TV back when pff, now, now we have like, you know, 90 day fiance. But I just thought it was a really, I, love 90 day fiance. Uh, I mean, I do too, but like, you know, the reality TV that we have now compared to then is obviously a lot different. Yeah. And I'm going to quote something here. Uh, Loud was a fierce, inflexible, forthright matriarch and loyal champion of outsiders and iconoclasts, her family posted. Her door was never locked and there was always room at her table. Never one for regrets or reflection. She moved forward in life with enthusiasm and courage. And so as a gay person, but also as clearly a reality TV watcher who has created a career, I, I, I reach out to the Loud family because 
you know, having that happen did open a lot of doors for people like you and me 50 years later. And so um, I just kind of wanted to commemorate her life. She, again, she lived into her nineties, so it's not necessarily a tragedy, but it's a life. Well, it's a life worth lived. And I just wanted to make note of it. Love it. Well, speaking of reality TV and coming out technically on reality TV, we have maybe now the top runner to be my baby daddy, Bob Harper. Which the the, the field is narrowing here, Liz. It's narrowing. It's It's getting small. Bob Harper, you guys may know him from a small little show called The Biggest Loser. Yes. Honestly, you were the one you told me months ago. You're like, Bob is the best. We got to get him on the show. We got him on the show. I couldn't believe how fucking fantastic he is. He's just not only fantastic, but there's so many things like, you know, he talked about getting in touch with his femininity. He curses a bunch. We talk about all types of crazy shit. His his sensitivities towards certain things, but like where it works, where it doesn't. That's very important. You know, everyone has a different line. And we even, we realize, well, I learned that he's a, an amazing baker and then he bakes a lot and We don't want to spoil anything for you guys, but Liz and I challenge him towards the end of the episode to bake something for us. I'm sure you can guess what we ask him to make. And he does it. uh, And it is going to be on our Instagram. Liz is going to post it on our Instagram because it's truly a work of art, so much so that Andy even texted me about it, being like, I can't believe you got Bob to do this. And I was like, it's amazing. It's amazing. Also, Bob, if you're listening, the second that we have our vaccines, I would like to take you out to dinner, just you and me. Darren can meet us afterward for a drink. You can meet us afterward. I need some solo time to give you the paperwork. (laughs) Yeah, you're like, once we've signed on the dotted line, Darren can come in with some tequila. Darren can be like, I'm just like imagining at the chateau, like, you know how they have those like big, long velvet curtains and you just like peer out of the curtain. (laughs) Be like, Liz, is it done? Is it done? Yes, of course. Yeah, no, but thank you for, I mean, obviously you've known Bob and I'm so happy that I got to meet him and it's a really great episode. So I hope you guys have as much fun as we did. Yeah, enjoy it for sure. Here's Bob Harper. Today, we've got somebody that I have had a long time crush on. I'm just going to come out at the gates. I know, Taryn. If you ask him for his sperm within the first five minutes, Liz, (laughs) we may not have him back on the show. Just keep it to 10 minutes. Okay, well, way to scoop my first question, Darren. Thank you. Sorry. Um, Sorry. We have television star, three-time New York Times bestseller author, health and fitness expert, Bob Harper on the show today. You might have seen him on a very small show with zero seasons, JK. Yeah. Uh, The Biggest Loser. I mean, you have worked with programs like Survivors of the Have the Heart. I mean, honestly, Bob, your bio is actually about 19 paragraphs long. So I'm trying to cut through it because you have so many accolades and you've done so much for the industry. That could be the whole show. But you've gone through some incredible ups and downs over the last few years, which we'd love to talk about. You've been on every show. You've worked with everyone from Michelle Obama to Dr. Oz to, of course, Darren's boss, Andy Cohen. Um, You've been on small shows like Access Hollywood and Ellen DeGeneres, The Tonight Show, Oprah, you name it, Larry King Live. But now you are here on Scissoring Isn't a Thing. Bob Harper, welcome to the podcast. Wow, that was a lot. <laughs> I'm, exhausted. I'm, I'm exhausted by myself right now hearing all that. 
But, we'll uh, stop having an illustrious career, and then we could just be like, all right, just Bob Harper today, guys. No big deal. Uh, you know? I have to. I have to tell you that uh, I was really excited about uh, doing your podcast because when A, I saw the name, <laughs> scissoring is not a thing. Uh, and and then like I was reading about it and correct me if I'm wrong, but it, uh, you guys were uh, at Chaconi's in um, West Hollywood. Yes. Correct. Oh my God. I don't think anybody's ever talked about I barely Bob remember Bob. it was Chaconi's. Bob, damn. Uh, I know these things. Like, did it, you tell me, was it like some sort of conversation that maybe <laughs> some straight people were having and like they actually said that? So here's what happened. Yeah. And then Darren, you you chime in where, where I fall down. So mm-hmm. Darren and I were brought together by a producer at Embassy Row. She's our kind of sidekick straight, though yep. who knows? Um, life is long, people change. She yeah. wanted to get us together. <laughs> Darren and I met for lunch at Chaconi's. We had no idea what we were going to get ourselves into. And when we sat down, Darren made a comment about my beautiful, lovely nails, <gasps> oh. which you and I are going to get to. Notice how I have no beautiful nails. But my comment to her was, <laughs> there's no way that you, she's bisexual, but I was like, there's no way that you can have sex with women while having long <laughs> nails. And I was going to ask maybe about <laughs> that. <you. laughs> I was you. like, I'm, well, look at those nails. I need to meet your girlfriend. My exactly. wife. Exactly. My your wife. wife. Exactly. Oh, there you go. Liz promptly corrected yeah. me. Promptly corrected me. Go ahead. Yes. No, you and were- I just said, we ha- I have no complaints, honey. It's, it's <laughs> we good over here. So then we kind of started talking about all of the misconceptions that people have about lesbians, but more importantly, the outlandish, ridiculous questions that people ask us really when they don't even know us. And the one that kind of came up was a lot of heterosexual people asking us if scissoring was a thing, which is crazy to ask a stranger. Or like how do women have sex? Like number one Uh, question always. And I'm like, first of all, every single person in the world has seen lesbian porn as an objective rule. So I was like, you can look this up on the internet. Like, I know you watch it. Like, and it's always straight dudes asking us. We're like, we know you watch this porn. Like, I'm aware of this. How are I was you like, we braid, we this? braid each other's hair. Yeah. And like we, we shop online. That's how it yeah, happens. Right. And babies <laughs> so, are born. Yeah. I don't know. I get really offended by those kind of, th- those kind of conversations. You know, I get really offended by the, uh, you know, I need my gaze. Like, you know, these these straight women with their Chardonnays in their hand. And Well, uh, first of all, drinking Chardonnay is just the absolute, the biggest sin that there ever was. So yes, Bob, me too. Once I they always, start saying Chardonnay, I'm like, I'm see you out of here. I'm more offended by the Chardonnay than the gaze. I, yes, exactly. I, I, exactly. But like it said, it, I always, uh, my I have my joke with, uh, with friends of mine. If you're drinking a glass of Chardonnay, you're probably one step closer to being a, a real housewife's of fill in the blank. <laughs> it's interesting that you talk about the, and, and I won't, we're going to get into your background, but just quickly to put a button on this, uh, the commodification of gay men, because I talk about this with Andy a lot. And especially with housewives where it's like, I'm just going to bring my gaggle of gays to this party. Like they're a fucking purse or an accessory. And, and I'm like, well, you don't really own them. Like they're their own individual. Like you never hear me saying like, I'm going to bring my straights over to this thing. Like they're not, 
they're not something to like compliment you. But but in in some sense though, Bob, them saying that I don't think is meant to be offensive. Whether or not it is, we can argue about. It. I, I'm not sure if every time someone says it is meant to be offensive. But isn't there something to be said for like how far we've come? That like even though it's kind of shitty that people are thinking of you as like this this purse this entity, it also shows maybe the acceptance at the same time. Or do you not see it at all like that? <sighs> That's a really tough one for me. You know, I'm a snowflake. I am a liberal. Like I, I, I can get offended by the, uh, the in some people's mind the simplest things. But you know, I had a conversation with a, a good friend of mine the other day because we were just talking about that new show on Netflix, The Prom. Have you seen it yet? I haven't seen it yet. Well, it's, it's on my list. Uh, yeah, I actually saw that show on Broadway and I mean, it was a fun show cuz I'm a real, you know, I'm a Broadway queen. I see everything. Oh, I uh, and when I saw that show, I was like I said it was really fun and I was slightly offended because of that like just that over the top gay stereotype <laughs> and in the prom James Corden plays this over the top gay man and you know, I, I don't know. I guess I was just like he was just bugging me. <laughs> You're not the would it have been better if he Would it have been better if he was actually gay or no? And that's what was said to me. It was like, you know, would it be in your mind, would it have been better if he was gay? And I was kind of like, well, maybe, but, you know, maybe it was the writers that I want to sit down with and, uh, and have that conversation. Because let me tell you, I can be and am the biggest queen. I like, you know, I, I, I'm in touch with my femininity. I love all that. And it's like, when it's on my terms, it's like going back to the, I'm going to bring my gaggle of gays because they're expecting, you know, they, or they could be expecting that. Like, I want that over the top gay friend. That's like so much fun. I'm like, you know, I'm going to be whatever I am. And like, when I'm with, when I'm with my group of friends and we can be the bitchiest fags that you have ever been around, but it's like kind of like on my terms. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and I, I don't know if that's right or if that's wrong. It's just kind of like the feelings that I get. No, but um, I get it because sometimes I'll be complaining about my parents, right? But if my friends would be like, oh, that's so your mom. I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't get to complain about my parents. They're my <laughs> parents. I get to talk shit. You do not get to talk shit. Even if it's well, right, you're just kind of like, I want to own this narrative for me. Well, you know? and I think even with the, you know, we've talked about this on the show, like somebody calling us a dyke or whatever. Yep. It's one thing if we call us and our own, but it's another thing if you're walking down the street and somebody just screams at you that you're a dyke, right? It's like all about context. Or even and, saying fag, which Bob right. said. But if some straight dude was like, hey, fag, you'd be like, oh, no. Oof. You yeah. know, like, I mean, yeah. maybe that's not how you would react, but I certainly, you can take ownership for you and still not want other people to necessarily stereotype you as such. And right. we ask our guests who come on the show how they identify. Do you mind yeah. identifying yourself for the listeners? I've always said that I've been gay for, you know, as long as I can remember, but I've really, I've really embraced the word queer. Queer to me is something that, again, talk about taking ownership because I grew up in the South in Tennessee on a farm. And let me tell you, I was called queer and fag a lot and I didn't like that. And right. so now, uh, I, and, and why would I? But like, I think I identify more queer now in my life because uh, I don't know, it's like, it's something that I'm kind of taking ownership of, of a, of a word that kind of haunted me at one point. And now I feel real comfortable with it. 
Yeah, I always when people talk to me, uh, I always kind of like bring up the fact that like as a queer kid, like uh, right. being queer, like mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't know why I like that word. I like it too. I'm with Here's you. Here's a good word for me, but it like for an older generation, which I'm a part of. You know, they they're kind of like, why do you say that word? That word is so ugly. And I'm like, I don't really see it as being ugly. It's like it's just kind of kind of who I am. Because I think that I'm I'm a lot like my uh, my friend Nicole, who's also my assistant, has been my assistant for a very long time. You know, we've had all these con- um, conversations because she's super androgynous. I think um, I think Darren, you've met her, and yeah. you know, it, and for you gave long- her your Rolex, Bob. I've been I've been yeah. I've been haunting Andy with this ever oh, since you told me that. I heard I about like, this. Bob gave Wait. his assistant his Rolex, Andy. I did. Yeah, Wait, but- Bob. Bob, I've actually heard this story from Darren before. (laughs) So one, hi, Nicole, can't wait to meet you at some point. And what a gem of a friend and boss you are. God, Jesus. Well, you know, she's taken very good care of me for a very long time. But, you know, we have these conversations of like gender and not conforming to uh, what society needs to put a label on. And, you know, it's like, I don't know, we I find these conversations to be really, really interesting as the older I get to be around younger people, younger queer people that, you know, kind of enlighten me, educate me. And uh, well, it's if you ever seen the movie Pitch Perfect, it's like when Rebel Wilson, who had who was heavier back then and her character Mm -hmm. was called Fat Amy, you know, and they were like, well, why do you say Fat Amy? She's like, because you won't say it behind my back. And I was like, that's right. What a fucking clap back, you know, like, yeah, I'm going to fucking call myself fat because I know it's what you're all thinking. Uh uh, And so I'm going to take ownership of that world and word. And I always thought that that was such a great way to kind of embrace queerdom, whatever that term is. And what was her real name? Remember the end of Pitch Perfect? She was like, I'm not Fat Amy, I'm Fat Patricia. Yeah, she's Patricia. like, oh my name's like Rebecca. Yeah, no, 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 yeah. no, it's Fat Patricia. It's it was Fat Patricia, Patricia. Right? God, I can't believe I remembered that. But it was exactly what you were saying. It was like taking ownership of this where it's like, I'm going to call myself queer because that's what I am. But I want to take it back to what you were talking about because you grew up in a maybe not so accepting environment from what you seem to say. A farm in Mm -hmm. Tennessee does not seem like the type of place that gay kids were running around uh, feeling like it could be themselves. How did you come out to your parents? When did you know that you were different than the normal world was presenting around you? Okay, well, that's actually a really good question. I grew up, you know, I'm how old am I now? I'm 55. So you know, when I was growing up in the 80s on a farm, I was not accepted at all. But I had something in me as a little kid that was going to have my back because, you know, I wasn't close with my family. I did come out with to them. And surprisingly, it really wasn't it was more of a big deal to my one of my sisters than it was for my family kind of like in the the smaller picture of it all. But I remember thinking, I'm going to need to have my back because I can't rely on anyone having my back. And I'm going to have to be okay with who I am. And I mean, I was having these like inner dialogues with myself about this. And uh, I remember it was my senior year in high school. That was 1983. And I came out to that school. And I mean, I took no prisoners. and. You know, it was really uh, a, a scary thing, but I took kind of like a lot of power from that. And I, I think I'm more or less scared about everyone off of me. So it was kind of like taking that ownership. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I am a fag. So 
you know, you call me a fag. Yeah, I am a fag. So what else do you got? Right. Right. Did you have any? You're fat Amy. What else do you got? Fat Patricia. Did you have any friends or confidence in school that were also queer that you talked to or had, or were you alone in this? I was, well, obviously I couldn't have been the only gay person um, in my grade, but I was the only one that was out. And uh, did I have anybody in my school that I was able to relate to indirectly? I mean, from straight girls, no boys at all. Cause my friends were older. Like I, I found a couple of um, older gay people when I say older, they were like a year or two older than me. And they were the first people that introduced me to you know, my first gay bar experience, which was, you know, the most eye-opening thing in the world. And which is really funny because I remember going to this gay bar for the very first time. And of course, having that aha moment of, oh my God, I'm not the only, I'm not the only queer walking around here. And just so happened, there was this guy in my, where my school was, who was just horrible to me. Horrible, horrible, horrible. And uh, I wish I could remember his name because I would so put him on blast. Yes, uh, but I, I love that, Bob. That's, that, Liz the, loves doing that. That's yeah. my, uh, I love putting people on blast. On and this. I can't <laughs> pull his name up, which is really annoying. But cut to, that fag was at the bar. Of course he was. Of, of course. course he was. And I was like, I, and I remember seeing him, I was like, this makes a lot of sense now. Right. Like I didn't, I didn't understand it. I, I didn't have all the psychology that I have now, but I was like, oh my God, he was awful to me because, you know, he hated himself. I mean, right, it's right. like, you know, it was so much of that. So. And that, I find that to be a running theme in general, you know, like you hate other people because you project because you're hating yourself. You know, I mean, that's, that's why yeah. usually the head of religious organizations who believe in conversion therapy are also getting their dick sucked at the fucking Alamo on I-95. Sorry, but that's fucking true because Ooh, and that's why when people, when these, I know, sorry, well, I get very heated about religion in general, but I know for you, you coming out where you came, what did your parents think when you originally told them? Because to your point, growing up in the eighties, you know, my dad always says to me that I'm very lucky to have been alive when I'm alive because culture has only gotten better to gay people. And, Mm -hmm. you know, in the 80s, the AIDS crisis was rampant. I talk about this with Andy all the time that he was really scared, even though his parents are super loving and accepting to come out because it was a death sentence to a lot of people to come out at that point. And, And you didn't know what AIDS were in the same way. So what for you in Tennessee with your parents was that like? Yeah, I, I remember growing up being gay and seeing the news talking about this quote unquote gay cancer. Yep. Right. That's what that's what we saw. And I remember just, you know, just being so floored by that and and was fearful in, in a way. But I also, I mean, at that age, you think you're invincible. I, I was like, you know, I'm gonna be fine. Everything is in knock on wood, uh, I was fine. But my parents, I didn't have a I didn't have a very close relationship with my family, so maybe neglect would be a word that you would use to describe uh, my childhood. So my parents didn't really have an opinion because they had their own lives they were living. Mm-hmm. If that, you know, so yeah, right, it was never even really like a conversation. It, it was never there because <laughs> because I think the apathy on their part. 
on a very special, I mean, this is going to get so like deep and real. I mean, it gets you're really making, deep. I mean, you're going to start making me cry on, um, on your show. Well, Bob, I'm, I'm typically, Darren will tell you the person that cries on this show. I have but, no heart. I have no empathy. So I'm just a cold, <laughs> dead soul inside. No, Bob, but yeah, we yeah. do. It's so interesting. We do get really deep and really yeah. honest on this show because I think we've all kind of been through it, right? When you're othered. Yeah. And, it's a little bit different in your life if you feel like you've been holding on to something that you should not feel good about that feels intrinsically who you are. And so I think when you get with other like-minded people and start reliving those moments, it can get emotional. So we thank you for being honest and open on the show. Well, and that's the part uh, when we have this conversation, I think about the verbal abuse uh, that I got so much and the bullying. And I, I look at kids throughout these years, especially when the It Gets Better um, mm-hmm. campaign was really out there. And I remember just thinking about that and taking it in so much because that simple little phrase, it gets better because it really does. Yeah. And it, you know, it's like, you want to tell all these kids that just gave up their life because it was so hard. It's like, I want to be able, I wanted to be able to like reach out to them and go, I promise you before you know it, you're going to be driving in a car blasting Whitney Houston's new song, driving to Atlanta with your best fucking gay friends. And you're going to have the best life. It's like, you just got to get over these, these, these huge hurdles because at that time and that age, you know, it can be so overwhelming, that negativity and that hatred that just gets, you know, just spotlighted on you. And I remember getting all that, but like, I was so just resilient and I don't know where, ladies, I don't know where it came from. That's what I was going to ask. Think, right. I don't know where, I don't know where it came from. It was just in me to, you know, protect me and, and fight back. And, and that's what I did. Well, you are a fighter. I mean, my oh, God. Yeah. Many of the listeners know and and, you know, you suffered a heart attack very early in life, you know, and here you are and you're the zaddiest zaddy I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Your body is banana cans. This is where the um, sperm conversation comes in. I know. I just got to get it out. I'm it's, really. It's, we're about 22 minutes in. This is around where If it you hits, would like so, to have a child yeah. with me, please let me know. But. <laughs> No, but you are a fighter and and you yeah. talk about this always having your own back. I love that saying and I love the sentiment behind it. You know, once you I guess freed yourself and came out to your family and your really your school, it sounds like that was probably the most monumental for you. What mm-hmm. happened next? Did you pile up in this convertible and I hope you Blasted, you I want to dance Whitney? with. Yeah, I, I want. I'd, I'd like to know the specific Whitney song. Um, I'm a big Whitney fan, so I'd like to know. Oh. I need to set the scene. But did you go to Atlanta? Did you go to LA? Did you go to New York? Where, where, what happened? Where'd you go? Yeah, I pretty much. Oh, oh by the way, it was more. Uh, it was more Madonna burning up. I mean, that's yes! where, very that's Andy what, of you. Yes, very Andy of you. Of it, course. Really, yeah, I mean, it's like Madonna. You know, Madonna does no wrong for me, but yeah. And it became like, I found this group of friends when I graduated from high school. And, you know, then I was the one that was that kid that out of um, my graduation, I pretty much left this little um, town that I was in. I moved to Nashville, which was the biggest nearby city for me. And I met this girl, I met this girl at a, um, at this gay bar that we always went to. And she was uh, her name is Diane Ivy, 
and she smoked Benson and Hedges cigarettes mm. and she had a she had an asymmetrical haircut. She was a hairdresser and she and I were the best friends. Black, I mean, that was like living through our, we were in a dance contest one time and we won d- doing this yes. wham song. I mean, it was like, you know, we just, it was, it was the best. And that's what my life became. It just became like, I was always out. I was, I, I was in clubs and, you know, meeting people. And that's just kind of where my life kind of took me out of uh, that little, that little bubble that I was in. And I just was able to start making my bubble a little bit bigger and with a little bit more interesting people. And I'm curious because obviously you're, you know, you are what I feel like as the world's trainer. Like if I'm going to name a health and fitness trainer, it's you. Like that is, I feel like you're the first name that comes out of everybody's mouth and in athleticism, in sports in general, and that, that toxic masculinity that people talk about. Mm -hmm. homophobia is fucking rampant in there. I mean, Mm -hmm. we were just talking the other day on the show, like I wouldn't want to walk into a football locker room and see what these guys are actually saying. Like I I wouldn't, you know, I I wouldn't want to know, but in the fitness health world, do you find that that masculinity is washed away or do you find that that was still there and you had to break those stereotypes when you started to get into this type of career? Yeah. Well, I, I guess for me and my career, like I said, I've been out since I was in high school, but when I started working on Loser, uh, and I was, here I was on television, you know, we ran for like, what, 18 seasons, yeah. and there there was one season that uh, we had a, a gay kid on the show, and unbeknownst to me, in my community, in the, in the community in Los Angeles, they were like, you know, why don't you ever talk about being gay? Why Why are you in the closet? And I remember just thinking, what? What the fuck are you talking about in the closet? And so I found that being on television put me in a closet that I, you know, busted out of at such an early age. So I had to come out all over again on right. the show. And I, and I had that, that moment. And I feel like that was a really big deal. And when I came out, I think that the community, the fitness community, generally speaking, was, was pretty um, accepting because they know, and which I am, I live, eat, and breathe health and nutrition. Like it's, it, it is a part of my life every day. It is, it's, it's in my DNA and it's who I am. And so all the other shit, I don't even like think about, I don't think about the power lifters that are just with their steroids and their protein shakes and all that. you know, they're just, they're living this life and I'm kind of like, you know, living my own life. And so I guess I don't listen to that white noise. Right. Uh, if there is toxic masculinity around me in this world, I don't even hear it. I don't acknowledge it. Yeah, I, I don't see it. Did you, after you kind of came out again, so to speak, or yeah. were forced out of a, you know, glass closet that was built <laughs> for you and not by you by television, what was the fan reaction? Did you get an outpouring of young queer community reaching out to you? I mean, Biggest Loser is a huge show and it's a huge deal. So what was that like? Yeah, I didn't realize it was going to be such a big deal that it was. And it was the young, because of course I care about, <laughs> I care about these younger kids that just need a role model for lack of a better word. And, you know, they, they saw that in me, which uh, I took very seriously. And, and I love that. It's just like, 
you know, having that younger audience saying that, you know, you coming out really helped me. And, you know, it's like, that's what my career has always been about helping people in any way that I can. If you want to lose 10 pounds, you want to, you know, get through your heart attack, uh, you're trying to get your kids to move around a little bit more, you want to feel a little bit better about yourself. That's where I fit in. That's like, there's, that, that has been my goal every single day in my career. And, you know, that's, that's how I just kind of look at life in that way. And I was able to help, help people and it became a thing. And, you know, I was fine with it, but I will say, cause I can picture it. I can picture me with, you know, with the producers in, uh, you know, off camera setting up everything. But I mean, it was that moment where I said, well, I'm gay. Like I could feel myself kind of stuttering. <laughs> like, right. Like, I didn't know why it was a, the deal that it was, but right. it kind of was a, like a big deal for me to say that out loud. Well, of course. And and you're doing it in such a national way. And not a lot of people do that. Do you feel that since then, since everybody on record now knew that you were gay, that there wasn't a question of it, maybe if people had questioned before, that you felt some sort of duty and obligation to be like, represent all gay men? Like, how do you handle that? Are there people in the queer community who are like, you're not gay enough. You're too gay. You need to be more this. You need to do that. You need to tell people. Like, I find that Uh, sometimes within our own community, we police each other so much. uh, Honey, I can be gay enough. Trust me. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, uh, you know, it was overall uh, a really positive experience. Uh, I will say that I remember in all those seasons before coming out on Loser, the the community that I worked with this over this overweight group of people that were normally from smaller towns that were never that were never around people like us and it was the conversations that we would have off camera on those you know on those non shoot days where they got to re- we all got to really know each other and it was like the people that were like I just I never knew that gay was like you like you know it was like right. and I would really try, you know, not, I would not be offended by that because they were coming with such honesty and, right. you know, cause in their minds, they had an idea of what gay was and, it, and I didn't fit that mold because I've never really fit that mold. It was eye opening for them. And it was also eye opening for me to be a part of that. And I remember just thinking, gosh, it really is important for me to be uh, out there uh, as a queer on television because, you know, people can can see me and and maybe in their minds I don't fit the the stereotype. Yeah. But it still makes me laugh when I get the people who are like, you're gay? I never <laughs> would have thought that you were gay. I'm like, really? I mean it's like, how could you not? <laughs> right. Hi guys, I'm Caitlin Carter, host of the Brightside Podcast. I created this show as a space for people who have had an impact in my life to further inspire others through their stories, their honesty, their kindness, and optimism. Each week, I'll be sitting down with inspiring friends, new and old, who have meaningful conversations centered around our own experiences with complete transparency and authenticity. We will discuss how we face challenging moments, adjust perspective, and reframe situations to find the silver lining. I personally believe that there is a bright side to every situation, and I'm excited to have this platform to encourage that way of thinking and share this message with you all. New episodes come out on Tuesdays, so come join me and start your week on the bright side. So much has changed since the beginning of Biggest Loser, right? I mean, even the representation, not even just within the LGBTQ plus community, but even with 
the types of people and what they look like on television, right? And mm. we've seen this huge movement of body positivity and kind of reclaiming your body. We had Tess Holiday on our show. She was actually our first guest. And um, she identifies as a fat positive model. What is your take on that? I mean, I know that's kind of a general question, but it's body positivity versus a healthy lifestyle. Yes, like, right. And Lizzo has come out to talk about this also recently. What is your take on that from a, from a nutrition expertise opinion? Well, I've always said that it's not up to me to give you any kind of advice unless you ask for that advice. Because your body is none of my business until you make it my business. So to answer that a, a little deeper, because I'm all about bo body positivity. It's like, as I get older, I look at pictures of the way that I used to look. And I realize I can't look like that anymore. I have to just like work on looking the best that I can look right now. Because let me tell you, 20-year-old Bob, 30-year-old Bob, 40-year-old Bob. I mean, that bitch had it going. Oh, um, I know. I was there you know, watching that, Bob. I, I was I, mean, I was right there. That bitch had it going on. But now it's like 55-year-old Bob. I'm feeling really good about her, too. Right? I'm feeling really so, good about her, too, so, as well. But, <laughs> but, but I think that as long as you know what your health is, you have those real conversations with your doctors about uh, getting your blood work done, knowing because a healthy body doesn't look like a certain type. Right. Right. You know, it's like you have to really know what your health is from the inside out. Because, like, uh, you brought up the fact that I had a heart attack a couple of years ago. And let me tell you, when I dropped dead on that gym floor, I looked great. Like, you can't judge the book by its cover. Right. And so that's my point. You don't know what's going on with a person's body. I mean, yes, if I see someone that is morbidly obese and drinking and smoking, I'm like, I'm like, girl, we got to pull this together. But it's right. like, it, it becomes so much more complicated than just making that assessment of someone's health by just looking at them. I can't, I can't tell how healthy or not healthy you are just by looking at you. Right. But when people come to you, even on an individual basis, on a group basis, on a, on a yeah. national platform and ask them to sort of, you know, I want to lose weight or I want to transform my body. How yeah. much do you find of that also tied in with mental health? Because like, you know, coming out as, as, as pan or bi or lesbian can sort of change your attitude towards yourself. And a lot of the times I find that people are unhealthy physically because they're mm -hmm. unhealthy mentally. So how much is that tied into it? And how much of a therapist do you have to be? You have to be a huge therapist. And I think that uh, when I work with anyone, when that comes to me and goes, you know, I want to lose weight. I want to, you know, have a six pack. I want to fit in my, my wedding dress that I wore 10 years ago. Whatever the goal is, the first question is always, what's your food journal? What, let me let me see what you're eating every single day. And then from there, you have to find, that's when you can start to find the keys to the kingdom. It's like, what does food mean to you? Is food more medicinal? Is it is it comfort? You know, what is it? Like, what is your relationship with food? And I think that's when you get to find who the person really is and when you can really make changes because it's the people that would come to me and say, Listen, I'm not going to really work on my diet, but I will do any kind of workout that you tell me to. I'm really diligent about that. I'm like, well, that's bullshit. It's not about that. 
you know, everything is about what you put in your body, what you consume on a daily basis and how you are, how you are not consistent. It's the key to everything. I'm just, I'm taking notes. Yeah, no more, no more three day juice cleanses for people, please. I can't fucking stand those things, right, Bob? Can you oh, please dispel this rumor what? for every fucking girl who wants to go to prom and lose ten pounds in two days? And it's, it's stupid terrible. To drink juice? Here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna admit it. I am one of those people that I think I don't know, Bob. You probably have, you probably have a term for it, but I'm like a cereal dieter. Like I've done it all. I juice yeah. cleansed fifteen years ago. I had a Jack Lalanne juicer like before. Remember those things? Like when on yeah. The- I've been on Jenny Craig, Weight Watcher. Like, I am that girl. And also, when I was acting, I ended up stopping because I just felt like I couldn't get thin enough. So it's really interesting now for me to watch kind of this body positivity movement, so to speak, or to see the representation of people on TV. Because even just 10 years ago, it wasn't as, quote, inclusive, and so that's why that was my silence because I was just really listening. And so also tell people staring not to do those fucking channel. juice cleanses, please, Bob. Can you oh, dispel that rumor? Oh my god, it is just the worst. I mean, I I was listening to uh, it, you were talking about Lizzo. She's been very I open know. about like these cleanses, these these juice things that she's been doing. It's like I don't know how anybody does it because it's horrible. Like you said that you're a cereal dieter, like. I am also, again, I'm obsessed with diet and exercise. I have done every diet out there. I have been a guinea pig to every single diet that I read about because I get very into whatever it is that I'm doing. I'm like, okay, whole 30, let's go for it. You know, what like uh, Atkins, I'm all in. You know, it's like, I want to see what it's all about. I've done those cleanses. I did the cleanses back when it was like the maple syrup, cayenne, Cayenne pepper, the master cleanse. I've done it. Yeah, yeah. Master cleanse. Oh, it's yeah. I've done all these things. And like, all I know is when I would sit down with someone and talk about like the girl that wants to lose 10 pounds in two days, I'm like this. Okay. You know, if, if that's your goal, but just know that any weight that you lose doing this, it's all going to come back. And then some, yeah. So it's like, just stop, stop with all, all the, the craziness, stop with all the quick fixes and just like decide, okay, what am I eating today? Like I always say to people, it's like, you can't take it one day at a time. You got to take it one meal at a time. That's the only way to, to really approach it because it's really hard. It's, it's hard to lose weight, but it's even harder to keep it off. Well, so I was going to say, it's really like a lifestyle change, right? I mean, people who want to get, who are, let's say fat, yeah. or they consider themselves fat and want to get skinny. It's not just a matter of running on the treadmill for a week and losing your water weight. I mean, it's a matter of like, okay, how am I going to change my caloric intake for the rest of my life and also add in a healthy amount of exercise to some extent? And also what you have to throw into this mix in the most important thing is like, you're going to have to do this for the rest of your life. Right. There is not going to be a free pass. And that's why it gets boring. That's why diets more times than not fail. It's not that the diet fails. It's that the people get bored. And it's like, and I get it. And that's why you've got to find ways to mix it up. You've got to have a support group of like, you've got to have that best friend that's with you um, in it all that you guys can be your, your sponsors during it all. It's, you know, you can't do it on your own. And that's why when I've worked with couples, say that, for instance, the wife wants to lose weight, but her partner at home is not going to be involved. I'm like this. Well, your chances are even slimmer now. Welcome to my life. 
Yeah, because if your partner, if the person that you're living with is not going to be on board with you, you're not going to make it. Or the relationship's not going to make it. Right, one or the other. Because it's, especially when you're living with someone, it's not an individual thing. You know what I mean? You can be as strong as ever, but if your partner has Cheetos all over the house and that's what they're fucking eating, it's impossible to not eat that fucking Cheeto. Let me tell you, my fiance, and we've gotten into, we've gotten into such like stupid arguments, like, especially if I'm like really, you know, during COVID, I'm like, you know, I want to, I want to watch how I'm eating, but like, he can eat anything that he wants. He can eat anything he wants. And it pisses me off. And I'm just like, are we in the same relationship? I'm so confused. My wife turned eight as a joke in COVID. I don't know if it was a joke. She made a faux convenience store out of one of our cupboards. And it had like, Twizzlers candy and I'm just looking at her I'm like I look at a package of potato chips and gain weight you fucking asshole he eats (laughs) skittles in bed like who the fuck does that we have we call it there's a bowl in our house we call it the bowl of shame we have the bowl of shame and you know I have to really because I have to think about it it does not come easy for me people are always like oh well you've been in the fitness industry look at you you look so great like this yeah bitch I have to think about it every single day. Before I was just, I had a, a, a meeting this morning and then in between my meeting and you guys, I was like, well, this is my time to work out. So I stripped down and I've been I'm swimming in my pool every single day because that's been my workout lately. I get, I get fixated on things and I go in there and I put on my little earbuds, listen to Howard Stern and just swim in the pool for an hour. It's like, I feel like I need to send Howard like a um, check or something because he's become my personal trainer uh, during COVID. What an interesting personal trainer for you to have Howard Stern bless. I'm obsessed with him. Who is the skinniest man alive, by the way, and probably eats whatever the fuck he wants. No, he doesn't. He's crazy. I listen to him all the time. He is so obsessed with eating and not eating and him and Beth, like, you know, he eats at 4.30, his dinner's at 4.30. He's insane about the way he eats and i love it i love it because i'm like oh my god we're exactly the same because i'm like going back to what we were talking about like i'm insane about these things so when anthony is going into the bowl of shame at eight o'clock when we're like you know binge watching whatever a uh, british bake-off right now i'm like this i'm gonna kill somebody how disappointing I'm, I'm, though is this british bake-off the covid one it it's not very good sorry do not make me throw this um, computer because Bob, I was proof for Halloween and my wife was <laughs> Paul Hollywood. And I will ask you for your phone number after we stop recording and I will send you the pictures. I am a psycho British Bake Off fan, but I have to say I didn't love this season. I'm sorry. I uh, wasn't really rooting want, for anyone. OK, do you want to know what I love about it? Yes, uh, because working in reality television for so long especially in America. I mean, they love like they love the bitchy, the catty, yeah. the the fights. British Bake Off, it is nothing but the sweetest I know. people in Fucking the world British people, in dude. there. They're just sweet and kind and they're just trying to make a fucking donut or, you know, whatever it is. I love them so much. Like, uh, I don't care. COVID, not COVID. It makes me so happy. And I don't know if you have watched another one that I've, uh, there's only three seasons of it. But have you heard about a show called The Great Pottery Throwdown? Sure have. Mm-hmm. And I just watched Flat Full Bloom, which I highly recommend. No, I tr- I watched one episode of Full Bloom. It was too mean. 
It was too bitchy. Oh, yeah. You and my wife should talk. She actually wants to, like, literally write Netflix. She hates the way that they judge. She's also a therapist, Bob. So oh, maybe yeah, I'm she married comes to at a therapist. You, where it's like, That's... I want to be positive in this world, you know? Yeah, that, show, that show's on HBO Max. And I go to the dog park, and I, I know someone that works at HBO Max. And I just had this conversation with him. I was like this, listen, I don't like that full bloom because I don't like them being bitchy with one another. Like, who's the worst and who's the best? I'm like... Don't just be make pretty flowers and just like, I don't like just well, it's a good just, thing you stopped watching because the way that they eliminate people is god awful. And my wife nope, literally nope. had a complete meltdown over nope. it. And I went nope. and friended is, them all on Instagram and sent them nice notes is because the I'm like, oh. show at least friendly and nice. Yes, are you kidding me? The, the main the main host of this show, if he sees a piece of pottery that he likes, he immediately starts crying. It's true. Because it's so, so he's beautiful. like doubling uh, down on the niceness almost. Yeah, all yeah. of a sudden he's just like this. It's just so beautiful. <laughs> and he looks around like he's like, and I'm like, is this bitch for real? Oh my it's, God. He's, so... he's crying over the pottery. But, but then you, you talk, like we were just saying earlier, like how I get so involved and like I, I, I take on everything 100%. Since watching British Bake Off, I um, have been baking cakes. I've never baked anything in my entire life. I've got a big cake. Look, oh, hold on. Oh, yeah, let's see it. I'm going this is over a to Bob Harper house. original? Let's see this. Yeah, it's under <gasps> the dome. It's, it's in a display. Oh my God. It's, it's beautiful. beautiful. If you will. By the way, do you know what this thing is over it? It's my salad spinner. <laughs> look, look, That's I made beautiful. a cake. And it has like the little frosting like edges to it. Like, hello, oh, yeah. Bob uh, Harper, Bob Stewart. Bobby Stewart. Yeah, that's what. And then like with Pottery Throwdown, I've done a pottery class. Like I did this private session. We were in our mat. This No, it was in New York City, a place. Can't remember the name of it, but I get so involved. I love it. Well, I'm sure Anthony really likes it. (laughs) And he can eat it all. (laughs) Right, exactly. He's just reaping the benefits of this. My pants are getting tight while because I just held that cake. I'm like, why are my pants so tight right now? Oh my God, stop it. And Liz Stop is right salivating. But this is this is a good way that we want to wrap up the interview because we do a fun <laughs> game called Scissor Me This. And it's okay. fun, rapid style, fire, queer, nonsense questions just to get to know you a little bit better. So Liz, oh teed up with your first one for Bob. I am curious to hear what he has to say about this because he is covered in oh tats. Okay, what's your first tattoo and what's your worst tattoo? My first tattoo was a rose that I got on my um, back shoulder that had the Jap- a Japanese lettering in it that said body and soul. And that was also my worst tattoo because I've gotten it covered. But because my tattoos are all good. Oh, yeah, they're really good. Yeah, no, they're tattoo, good. I couldn't, I don't I couldn't have a think of a tattoo. more stereotypical first tattoo for someone than a rose on their shoulder with Japanese body lettering. And like, body it, and soul. Honey, it was the 80s. And you know what? Who knows if it really said body and soul? Like, yeah. it could have. <laughs> It could have just said, I don't know, ham Penis and cheese and vagina. We don't know. Yeah, we Who we knows? Know. Yeah. Um, one meal that you had to eat for the rest of your life. Nachos. Nachos. Ooh. That's a great answer. Yes, that is a good really answer. A... It's a variety answer, which is good. Which yeah, is good. It's a, but, but I like my nachos plain. I don't like a lot of shit on my nachos. Me too. It's like, I don't like all that crap. I don't want to, I like them. Give me sometimes. As I salivate, do you see? Yeah. I'm like, I, my mouth is watering. Just give me chips with melted cheese and like, you know, some jalapenos on there. And I'm You're good. set. Yeah, cheap oh day. We, cheap day, Bob is. Cheap New day. Year's Eve, I might throw some, you know, ground chicken or like, <gasps> you know, some other things, guacamole and sour cream. But like, generally speaking, I like plain. Oh my That's... God. I think we might be met 
for each other. I think so. I think you were your next question. You were Prue. Yeah, that's right. I was Prue. I mean, but the nachos with just the cheese and only jalapenos, like, I mean, I'm floored. Okay, well, next question. (laughs) Is black nails or red nails? You have to choose one for life. Uh, Black nails. Yeah, that's. I thought that's what was going to be. He's a New Yorker at heart, sweetie. He's a New Yorker guy. But a good good red nail is like, and I've seen you do it. Yeah, and I'll tell you um, the best red. Uh, Chrome Hearts is one of my favorites, and you need to look at their nail polish. They make five of them. And by the way, they're stupidly expensive. They're like, they're $200 or something insane like that. But they come in this really beautiful case, and their red is like, some. I feel like I should be like on Game of Thrones when I have that red mm, on. Yes. Oxblood red or something. Ugh. All right. Give me, in just basic terms, worst diet on the market that you think gets too much press best diet on the market that if you're going to try one, you should start with this one. I guess let's go um, best. And um, I would be, uh, I would have to say would be the Mediterranean diet. The Mediterranean diet is just so clean and like, so like, it's pretty much how I live. It's, it can fit in, uh, uh, you know, all spectrums. But it's also easy to get into, right, Bob? Like it's easy to get into it because you can still kind of eat a lot at the Mediterranean diet. You're just eating better. Is that really what it is? Yeah. Uh, I, it's just, you're eating um, less processed. You're right, eating yeah. food that's been, hasn't been touched as much. And right. then, um, the worst would have to be what we were talking about. Those, um, those juice cleanses. Thank you. The worst. Thank you. They're the worst. This isn't really a rapid fire question, but this is just like a request. <laughs> I, in my COVID journey, fitness for me, I, there was nothing I loved more before COVID happened than every week going on class pass, finding new classes to take. I'm like, one of those classic LA girls. I love me a fucking fitness class. Okay. (laughs) I do because it actually was something I was telling my therapist yesterday. It was like me. It was my time. It was something I did. It was mentally getting me right. It was just the best. So in the beginning, I got a Foaton and I hated it. I bought a $300 bike, but I ended up being very lucky. And my listeners from a different show, gifted me a Peloton. So I now finally have a Peloton. Can we please follow each other on Peloton? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, absolutely. That's it. That's, absolutely. That was a rapid fire. But, <laughs> it wasn't. I, went, uh, I know it wasn't rapid fire, but, but I've, I'm so into it, Bob. And I love high-fiving people. And it has helped me so much. Can we please follow each other? Yeah, absolutely. And I will say that, like, I am that girl, too, that you said that you are. of Like, I love fitness. I love fitness classes. I like being around. And like my thing has been for the longest time, hot yoga. Like I want to go into a studio and I want to sweat my balls off. It's the fountain of youth. It makes me feel good. It's therapeutic. And since COVID and everything's been shut down for all this time, like I have been going insane. I'm like a junkie looking for ways to get like, you know, my sweat on. And it's like now when I ride my bike, I'm wearing a, like, it's something called a hot suit where I, like, I sweat profusely. (laughs) It's all I want. It's all I want to sweat. I just got this thing. It's called the hot yoga dome. I was just going to ask you about that because my wife used to do that um, moto yoga on La Brea. And she's, Darren, people that are obsessed with hot yoga are really freak. Obsessed. Is it your own yoga studio? And it's your own dome. No, it can go inside or outside, right, Bob? And it heats up. Is that what you got? 
Yep, it's that's what, exactly what it is. Like it <laughs> blows up. It takes like you know a, a minute. It blows up. You throw your heater in there. You you zip yourself up and you sweat. But like I do that, and I also I have this thing called the sauna blanket. Do you know what that is? No. It looks like, see, I know all the tricks. Yeah. Just so you know, I know it all. I have this thing. It's like a sleeping bag that is a heater. You know, it's a heater. Oh, I've done one of those on Groupon and they put you in a room and you watch Netflix and then you sweat. Yeah. yeah, It's like all shape house or something, but like, I have one. Yeah. I have one. Like I said, I'm that girl that goes to all the fitness classes, but like now I'm in my, uh, I'm in my bedroom. Anthony's he, I'm always like this honey, will you set it up? Because like, you know, it's kind of a thing. You got to like plug it all up, heat her up. And I get in there and I mean, put on my earphones and listen to a podcast or something. And I'm just like, I, I get out of there and I'm drenched. If I can sweat like that every single day, I am such a nicer person to be around. Wow. Podcast and Howard Stern is just getting Bob all, all heated up. All right. Last uh-huh. rapid fire here for me. <laughs> All right, when no one's looking, you can't say nachos. What's your guilty pleasure shitty food that you just got to binge? Do you want to know what I'm obsessed with right now? I eat hummus sandwiches, and it's literally just like hummus, lettuce, and tomato on bread. And I think that's pretty weird. That is pretty weird. It's not. But it sounds fucking delicious at the same time. But I will say lately now that I'm a baker, I'm Bobby Stewart, I really do enjoy licking the spoons and the, yeah. I mean, last night I was in there and I'm just like digging that ball, chocolate just like all over my face. So it's like, you know, that would be a shitty thing. And I don't normally like sweets because I'm not going to eat the cake. I just like to make it. Oh but yeah, I, I was going to say, who's where you, who's going getting the Anthony's cake? Anthony's fucking eating it. My housekeeper, she like, I sent it to her kids. Like she, she was saying like, my kids are just asking what you're giving that, you know, what you're making them next. <laughs> like this weekend, I'm making them sugar cookies. Like, I just want to cook it. Like, I just want to bake it because I need to learn how to like do this. I was having a conversation with Rachel Ray. She's a really good friend of mine. And she, because she and I are not bakers, we like to cook. And I sent her a picture and she was like, not for me. I'm like, I know I'm the same way, but it's just kind of fun. Well, listen, I if you that. can get the skill set to make a cake looking like a pair of scissors, you have to send it to me and Liz, please. Cause we need to have that masterpiece. Hundred percent. Yeah, I'm making sugar cookies this weekend too. So I'll slide into your DMs and I'll ask you how how it oh, goes. Oh Lord, accepted. That will be my technical challenge. Yes. Um, I'm gonna. It'll be my technical challenge. I will. I will figure out how to do that. Yes, Bob. That's why I <laughs> yeah. love you, Bob. Tell the listeners, although I'm sure they all follow you, where you can there where they can find you, where they can read all of your stuff. Where can people follow you on social media, etc. My Instagram is Bob Harper. And I tell people, because I'm really into my photography so much, Bob Harper Gallery is my photography. It's like you get to see another side of me. And it's like- I will be following that. I'm very um, passionate about and have been for a long time um, with photography. Look at Bob. Just there baking, we go. taking photographs, uh, just fucking uh, doing his thing. It's okay. Can go- wait, can I just tell you one other thing before we go? Anything you want. Talking about this, like, this is what a nerd I am. Last night, I'm at home, sitting in front of the fireplace, drinking a glass of wine. I was invited to a um, a Zoom audience listening to David Fincher be interviewed. And like, I'm sitting there and uh, my best friend, she called me and I'm like, I can't talk. I'm um, I'm in this Zoom audience. And she was like, why are you listening to David Fincher? I'm like, because he's like one of the most amazing directors in the world. Like, I love that kind of, like, I love that kind of stuff. And it like, 
teaches me more about my photography. Yes. So, well, well, um, like- if you want to have a kid, uh, let me know, because not only are you so kind and so smart and so artistic, but you are so handsome. And um, I am looking for Did a donor. And we, uh, our kid would have good hair. Beautiful hair and light and look eyes. At your, look at Oh, yeah. Oh. I have very, oh. very dark what green eyes. I have like green eyes. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, Darren, take a hike. The fuck, Bob? <laughs> Bob, thank you so much for coming on Scissoring Isn't a Thing. Honestly, I can't wait to see your scissoring cake. I got it. We're going we're gonna to be the ultimate judges of this. But thank you yep. so much for being so open and vulnerable and helping so many fucking people out there. Honestly, you're a treasure. And I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Love you guys. Thank you for listening to Scissoring Isn't a Thing. See you next Tuesday. 